everyone. Welcome to Calling All Useful Idiots. So excited to be here. You tweet this out. Um, I'm just tweeting it out that we're doing this with Aaron Mate. Let's see. Uh, excited we already have a caller. If you're just joining, make sure that you, of course, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Useful Idiots. Subscribe to our um, Substack, usefulidiots.substack.com. Like our videos, rain review our podcast. These are all ways that you can help the show. Um, and it's free. But you can, of course, become generous paying subscribers at uh, Substack, and that'll give you bonus content, which is very exciting. Okay, Aaron, you there? You look different, Aaron. You don't have your profile photo. Uh, Aaron, is this really you? I, I don't really. I don't. Yeah, my, it just says Aaron. Yeah. According to my phone, I do. Weird. Okay, well, I'm going to make you a moderator despite that. We should okay. have a pa- we should no. we need a password. I, I oh, promise weird. you. People are saying they see the profile photo, so it's me. I, I promise you that I'm not an imposter. Um, All right. What's wrong with my? This is such a. Oh, I'm trying to make you a moderator, but it's doing the the circle of death. So why don't we take the first call? And while we're doing that, I'll just still try to make you a moderator. Okay. We got a call okay. from Brent. Hi, Katie. Hi, Brent. Oh, now I see your profile. Aaron. Hello. Okay. Hi. How's it going? Yeah, your volume's kind of low. So. Um, Hello. I don't know what's wrong? Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Can you Hi. Hear us? So, um, I have a question. So, regarding the China spy balloon, um, I just find I said this to Aaron's call yesterday, but I find it kind of ridiculous that this is overblown because. The U.S. probably has surveillance all over the world in many different countries, yet worried about a little balloon. And I do question the media's intention. Are they trying to start war with China? I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but why are they blown this out of proportion? I think it's kind of ridiculous. We have to acknowledge oh. the unintentional pun. So when you said why they're blowing this out of proportion. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, no, uh, of course they want to stoke war with China because because the U.S. always needs an official enemy, and this is a good opportunity to fearmonger about a balloon. Absolutely. It's so ridiculous. And another another quick question. So you mentioned uh, Tyrese, Tyree Nichols, pronouncing it right, right? Tyree Nichols, the, the killing. I mean, this, then George Floyd, and then Rodney King a few years back. Um there's a lot of questions going around. Uh, should we abol- uh, defund the police? Do you believe that the police should be defunded? I mean, I think, sorry, excuse my voice. Hold on. <clears throat> I think that um, we, I've, I've always thought defund is kind of, it's, 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 we definitely should be re spending funding differently Police should not be in charge of many things. Like they should never be called in for mental health issues. We should be using social workers for most of the things that police are used for. Okay. So you don't, because some people say police serve no function, so they should be completely abolished. You don't believe in that? I mean, I, I believe that, that's what defunding means, I think, right? To some people, or def- maybe they mean like appropriating funds to other yeah, I mean, places. Uh, but- a couple of different things that to me is, I think that should be, I mean, you can, we can work towards abolition. 
But even if you ask someone like Alex Vitale, who wrote the book called The End of Policing, I mean, abolition, at least, at the very least, it means um, not, this is interesting. Once Alex Vitale, I said to him, what is, what does abolition really look like? And he was like, well, you have abolition uh, in private schools, for instance, in Manhattan, where if you are caught doing drugs, what do they do? They, they send you to the guidance counselor. And then maybe they don't even tell your parents at first. Maybe they'll tell your parents. And then if the guidance counselor doesn't work, you go to rehab. But in other words, police are never involved in it. So we have, in some ways, we already have this society that we want to create. It's just only for certain segments of society. Right. And then well, what if, do you think, the, Aaron? Yeah, Aaron. Aaron's well, speechless. He got really emotional with I, what I know, said. Yeah, I, I, uh, apparently the slogan defund the police is not very popular um, yeah. with um, a lot of voters, uh, according to I don't know, something I read. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, some, the argument is made that actually communities, like vulnerable communities, Hello? don't want don't want the police to be defunded. Um, they just want resources to be reallocated into, you know, more, uh, you know, like community services, which I think is a great idea. So I don't, I don't think defund the police is a great slogan. I, I don't think it's going to win victories. But I do think the idea of funding more uh, sort of non-punitive types of um, justice measures, I, I think that's a winner. And that's what should be done, because obviously there is way too much policing and not enough accountability. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Brent, for the call. All right, thank you. Okay, we got Steve. Aaron, can you, are you a moderator? There's something wrong with my, I'm trying to make you moderator, but I can't. Uh, you might Apologies. need to update. You, I know, but what do I do to, now? You, you maybe should update the app. I think that might like, work. Right, right now in real time? Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. going to quit? It's not going to quit, no. All right, sorry, guys. I'm trying to click on Steve, and it's not working. Okay, let me update. How do I update it? Um, hold on. Go do you know how the, I update? Go to the app store and type in Colin. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I can't, yeah, I don't have the. Um... All right, while I'm doing that. Maybe it's my phone. Jesus, because I'm. Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you quit the app and come back and uh, and update it? And okay. I, I think they'll do the trick. Oh, I feel like I may. Oh wait, hold on. Okay, hold on one second. While I'm doing this, by the way, I saw a very good. I saw a bunch of Oscar nomination nominated movies this weekend. Like what? I saw Tar. I saw. The Banshees of Wherever, and I saw um, what was the other one? Okay. I saw Tar, The Banshees of Inisher, or whatever, The Triangle Sadness. Have you seen any of those? No. They're all very good. Okay, hold on a second. Okay. It just says open, which I guess makes me think that it is updated. This sucks. Oh yeah. Uh, so let me, let me try to restart my phone. Okay. That won't that won't cancel it though. Uh, we'll see. Uh, if it does, we'll just we'll create a new room. If it does, we'll create a new room. Okay, guys. So make sure you're following us. All right. All 
All right. Well, there goes Katie. Uh, and I'm, that means I have to talk for a few minutes while she is gone. Um, and no, she can't make me a mod because uh, she couldn't. Like, it wasn't letting her. So hopefully restarting the phone will do that trick. And uh, what can I tell you about while we're waiting? Any, anybody in the chat have anything they think I should talk about? Because um, I'm at a loss. We just talked for a long time on uh, Useful Idiots. Um, yeah. Uh... Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Thank you, Andrew. Um, so recently there was this great article in the Columbia Journalism Review uh, basically demolishing Russiagate and pointing out what a terrible job the media did in its coverage of Russiagate. And it's brutal. It's like over 20,000 words, and um, it's devastating. And a lot of people who bite into Russiagate are livid. And so there's been this meltdown from people like Jonathan Chait, and David Korn. And of course, no one can challenge anything that the piece says. And it's written, what's interesting about it is it's written by Jeff Gerth, who is a veteran journalist, won the Pulitzer twice, uh, very highly decorated, spent three decades at the New York Times. So this is co coming from a journalist who's like in the heart of the, the establishment media world. And it's just devastating. And it's been really funny to see the, the freak out that it's triggered uh, from people who bite into Russiagate and are not willing to own up to it. And, um, Hey, I'm here. I'm back. And Steve is in. Cause I was able to make you a monitor. All I need to do is restart. Right. Thank you. We callers were like the uh, who's, I guess we are here. We are here. That's right. Uh, Hey, Hey, dynamic duo. Um, hey. so I'm, uh, I'm happier than I was because I'm organizing, helping to organize the San Francisco rage against the war machine which will take place on February 19th, you know, along with the Washington DC war rage against the war machine where some guy named Max Blumenthal will be speaking among other people. And, um, I, we were talking about, you know, you guys talk about the media every day. What we're going to do is have a little village constructed. We have a lot of creative people in the Bay area, as you know, so we're going to build uh, at Lockheed Martin headquarters. Oh, nice. We're going to build uh, the New York Times, MSNBC, Washington Post, Pentagon, Chevron, Raytheon, Congress, and the White House. And we're going to, so that's the little kind of warmonger village. And uh, we are, we will berate all of them uh, most harshly. So, and, and we're making a movie of the whole thing. And then we're heading to certain people's homes certain certain powerful don't give it away i okay okay then we're heading to two people's homes you'll just have to be surprised by who those two people are and uh the other thing i wanted to say was thank you um aaron for that piece about syria and about how they god how the warmongers you know try to keep Syria in rubble. Um, I think, though, the way Russia has gotten around sanctions is going to empower the world to, to get around the Syria sanctions as well. And, and, but I thought, um, let's say a Chinese construction company wants to rebuild Aleppo. And what will happen? Uh, the U.S. will sanction that company. 
I don't understand why China, other countries, especially China, because it's so economically powerful. Why doesn't China sanction the top corporations that give the Republican Party and Democratic Party money? Uh, and they just, you can't do business in China. We're not going to, we're not going to do anything with you. The China market is too big for multinational corporations to be frozen out of. So I, I just, I kind of wish, you know, the other guys would fight back against their enemies and everybody's enemies in the world, in my humble opinion, are the Democratic and Republican parties. You know, it's, great, it's a great so, question about China. I don't, China has, though, not really uh, stepped up for reconstruction in Syria and because it, it doesn't want to be sanctioned by the U.S. So, so far, China has actually backed down in the face of the U.S. sanctions. Um, and uh, when I was there in Syria over a year ago, I, I was asking people what was going on with that. And just they, they, they were just hopeful that China changed its mind. But at the time, China was basically stalling uh, because, I mean, uh, China wants to make money. Uh, they're not like humanitarians. And when a country is destroyed, um, it's, it's, you know, there's only from the point of view of like getting a return, I, I don't think there's that much benefit there. So, and so I think there was a calculation in China that they just, it's not worth the risk of getting sanctioned. I, I think, I think that's what happened. You, you know I, what though? They're already sanctioned. They're, they're, they can't get the best computer chips already. So they've had to build up their computer chip industry to to make it as good as Taiwan's because they're already cut off. But I, I don't know if I agree with that characterization. I mean, look, look at BlackRock. Oh, I, I forgot to mention BlackRock. We're also BlackRock will be there. Um, BlackRock buying Ukraine. I mean, U Ukraine is not that great looking of an investment, but I mean, if you're in for the long term, it it probably is, you know, I mean, I think that's why how these people think. But uh, Syria could also be part of that Belt and Road, which would make China a lot of money anyway. All right. Well, Steve, thank you for the call. Uh, OK, Kate. Hi, Aaron, Katie. Before we talk, I just want to state that like all decent Americans, I have a burning hatred for balloons. Um, personally, I killed my first balloon at age four and kept right on doing everything I could to end as many balloon lives as possible. In high school and college, we'd ceremonially fill up balloons um, before finals week so that we could pop them every time we finished exams. So the slaughter of evil balloons has always held a special place in my heart. Um, but I guess as you may well, have heard, some Kate, people are Kate, good. Thank you for your service, first of all. Thank you for your service for all, yeah, for you. all you've done to pop balloons. Thank them. you for your service. Thank you. I mean, I... Well, Every every patriotic American kills balloons. Um, and and as you may have heard, there's been some criticism of Biden's balloon killing strategy and tactics. Um, so I just want to share a, a, an advanced balloon slaughter tactic that my twin sister and I developed when we were little. Um, when we, we first got helium balloons, which were sort of a major step up um, in, in balloon killing target from from these, you know, balloons just filled with normal air. Um we realized that we needed to up our game. And so rather than giving the balloons a quick pop right away, we started to sort of draw it out a little. And we, we'd start by yanking on their strings, pulling them down, and then, you know, sort of hitting them on their top and passing them back and forth to each other 
Um, so they'd fall down only to bob back up and get hit again. Um, and we would do this for days as the helium sort of just gradually escaped out of their bodies. And then at the end, just when they thought they might be, you know, about to get away, um, we would grab them and we'd squeeze them and sort of we'd twist them until, you know, they looked young and firm again rather than flappy. And then that's when we'd pop the balloons. And I think that that's what Biden was was going for with, you know, letting this balloon drift across the country for for three days or, you know, for several days before finally putting an end to it. I think I think he sort of had, you know, trained at killing these balloons as a child and, and you know, reached the same conclusions that my twin sister and I had. Well, I hope Biden's listening to this. Kate, I feel very confident to officially, and I'm sure Katie backs me up on this, to officially designate you uh, our official useful idiots balloons, senior balloon analyst. Yeah. Yeah. Would you accept the position? Yeah, thank you. It, it, it's an honor. Um, we need we need everyone we can in the, the fight against the balloons. So. Well, welcome, welcome aboard, and we look forward to your uh, penetrating insights. No pun intended Thank about uh, the balloon. So yes. Thank yes. you. I, I I have to go. I've got some balloons to kill. So. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Thanks for the call. Okay. Uh, Andrew. We're creating a safe space. Morning. How are you guys? Can you hear me? All right. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think my I think my internet cut off for a second. Um, I was going to ask. For is it? I've heard some speculation that China could be using the balloon um, to get better imagery than satellites. I'm just not sure, like, how they could possibly get better imagery than satellites that would be worth this whole commotion, or better imagery with a balloon that you can't steer than with a. Uh, airplane. I mean, unless unless somebody is really stupid and thought that the Americans would not like hi- hyperventilate and pop blood vessels and overreact to this, um, I think it's more likely that if China was really trying to do something to America, they probably were trying to troll because they knew that there would be this insane overreaction and they can eat popcorn and watch it on the TV. But like. At what point would it really be worthwhile or even feasible to try to get any type of better reconnaissance on military installations that, um, with this balloon than with a satellite? And why wouldn't they be more concerned with surveilling the military installations that are much closer to China? All great questions. Uh, that's why I don't think this was a spy balloon. I think this was a weather balloon. Um, that's my yeah. Um, but um, yeah, no, all, all great questions. Uh, you identify a lot of holes in the case. And also, I mean, if China really wanted access to like uh, what, you know, U S air defenses are, they could just ask Russia because Russia spies on that too. Um, so I don't think they need to send their own balloon. So yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I, one other question. Sure. Uh, both of you favorite type of food or restaurant, and it could be literally anywhere. Or if you want to make it easier, just like in the place, you know, in New York, which I think you both currently live in New York. Yeah. Although, Aaron, you kind of float around, so let her rip. I do, too. I float around um, like a balloon. That's true, yeah. Um, I'm uh, I am obsessed with this restaurant called Trace. I've only been once, but I want to go back. It's so good. 
uh, in Brooklyn. But in terms of cuisine, I don't know. I love Ethiopian. I love Mexican. I love Italian. I love Japanese. I love Spanish. My favorite restaurant in uh, New York is Tannerine, which is a uh, Palestinian place in Bay Ridge, and it's phenomenal. That's just absolutely fantastic. Um, it's uh, it's it's the best. It's so good. Last time I was there, I went with Norman Ficklestein, friend of the show, and uh, we had a great time. And I can't wait to go back. It's just it's just really far away. It's like deep deep in Brooklyn, so it takes like <laughs> 40, forty minutes to get there, but. It's fantastic. I really is like it, it deep in traffic or it's deep in actual it's, distance? It's deep in both. Like it's you know it's it's in Bay Ridge, so it's really really far. But uh, okay, like for me at least. But uh, it's I still it. haven't been to New York. I have a a couple of friends who are fr- are from there originally and then moved back there after school. And uh, so maybe I can maybe I can couch surf for a little bit and go try tangerine. Uh, Tannerine is worth, it's a trek. I mean, most people, I mean, uh, it, but it's, it's, it, it's worth it. And, uh, it's, it's just fantastic. Right on. Well, can I give you guys a, a restaurant review? Sure. Yeah. Um, I also like all kinds of food. Um, though so for Katie, if you, uh, come to Seattle, there is a restaurant called Cafe Soleil, like S O L E I L. Mm-hmm. It's, um, uh, it's like pretty out of the way from downtown. Um, it's kind of, if you go to uh, 23rd that goes through like the central district and Capitol Hill, it kind of goes all the way up to the university of Washington. Um, but before you get to the UW and before you even go down this huge hill to the bridge, there, it's like this cute little cafe on the side and it's Ethiopian and Italian food. And the lady that owns the place is super nice, very delicious food. And then, uh, just like an overall general recommendation. Um, yeah, I can't think of like a a Palestinian restaurant. I could be wrong, but I don't know that there even is one in Seattle. But maybe one of the just best overall restaurants is a place called Geraldine's Counter. They, you know, they're like a breakfast and kind of lunch place. And so they don't have anything that's like you know, a type of food that you might not have tried before, but they make like the best version of everything. So like, especially their French toast and bacon and stuff is just not, it's just otherworldly. It's insane. Um, Yeah. And then there's, there's all kinds of really good um, like Vietnamese and Thai and Japanese food in Seattle. And plus we have good fish. So it's like a good place for sushi and other stuff that's requires fish. So anyways, um, Keep up the good work, you guys. And uh, Katie, check your email. I mean, I I know that last time I told you to check your email, you had already sent me an email, but I'm pretty sure you haven't this time. And if you're still interested in yes. talking with somebody from Morena, yeah, um, there's, yeah, I'll I I promise again, it's not. I don't want to be in the interview um, unless absolutely necessary for like translation but i know you know like some of my wife's friends or her would be much better at translating and i know you speak spanish but just to like have keep it quick on both ends yeah um yeah but anyways um i'm really i'm I'm trying my best to get more of the u.s uh, left to pay attention to and study from latin america which i know you're also like passionate about so yeah anyways thank you both thank you
All righty. I love this show. Isn't it fun? Okay, let's see. Um, Sam. Hey. Hi, Sam. Hey, welcome back. Thanks. We missed you. Thank you. I mean, personally, I think Aaron was trying to do a coup uh, of the show, but, you know. Yeah. I'm glad you you saw through him. Oh, are you kidding me? I saw through the propaganda. I mean, he was he was coming off as the innocent Canadian. Just, you know, I was just, I saw him trying to plant a flag in, in the show. Awesome. <laughs> I was Thank floating you, a trial balloon, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, guys, if we don't, if we are not sending those balloons to Guantanamo Bay, I mean, what exactly is the purpose of that base? I mean, we, if we're not in, in, enhanced interrogating it <clears throat> via waterboarding, I don't even know if I want to be part of this country anymore. I've just lost faith in my nation. Good point. Well, uh, real quick, I just want to say I enjoyed the show today. And uh, this was uh, about what was going on in Syria. I was, I was horrified. You know, I, luckily, I have family there who, who are okay. But, you know... Uh, this was what I was telling you about Aaron yesterday is that uh, is your best friend, Charles uh, Lister, when he wrote an article about how we need to redo sanctions because the sanctions on Syria aren't, aren't working. And you just think to yourself, my God, is there no limit to your inhumanity? But no, nope, they don't care. They, they view it as, well, this doesn't def- uh, take away from the more sanctions we need to put. So, yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll keep it short because I see the line's still going. So uh, anyway, have a great Monday, guys. Thanks. Okay, and another Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hello there. Hope you're both well. Thanks. How are you? I'm not too bad. Um, I just had one question and one comment. Uh, one question on the balloon. It occurred to me that, and I think I read this in a Washington Post or Wall Street Journal, some article, that the balloon was first sighted uh, off the coast of Alaska. And so it kind of occurs to me that someone, either in the military or in the political administration, made the decision to not shoot it down until it was over, basically crossed over our uh, territory, uh, uh, over the land, because it was over the ocean first. And uh, I don't know, do you guys buy that no one knew about this balloon before it went over land? Because it seems odd to me that the entire United States Air Defense wouldn't know about this balloon. Or at least whoever's responsible for that section. It just seems odd to me that. Yeah, listen, uh, I, I think I mentioned this on the show that they that this balloon's been tracked since it left China. It's not, it's not, yeah, it's so, not like it appeared out of the blue. So um, the idea it's not like moving fast. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's a balloon. So right. I, I mean, all the information. To me, supports that this was this was a weather balloon. That's that's my takeaway. But uh, and it's just yeah, the the idea that it, it took the U.S. by surprise is you know like the moment it crossed the U.S. airspace, uh, the U.S. knew it absolutely. Yeah, and the Republicans are all saying <clears throat> Biden is weak, and I think that's just such a typical reactionary knee jerk right wing response, right? But to me, it seems like this could have been deliberately used to play up hysteria quite easily. And people might think that's politically defeatist for Biden to do that to himself, or maybe that's a little paranoid, but I don't see it I, that paranoid at all to let it float over and get America all ginned up. I mean, that's my personal opinion, but I was wondering what you thought about that. I absolutely think that this is being exploited 
for uh, like by Warhawks, um, like it always is. Any kind of opportunity. I mean, remember when uh, Iran shot down a U.S. drone over its territory and the U.S. was going to bomb Iran? This is this is under Trump, and this was like a major international incident. And Trump, at the last second, pulled back and didn't bomb because he said that he got like the intelligence. Uh, summary, and they were saying, if you do this, you're probably going to kill at least 100 people. And he was like, do I want to kill 100 people over them shooting down a drone? He's like, no, I don't. And John Bolton was furious with him. He couldn't believe it. Well, we're lucky. <laughs> lucky for that. Yeah. So this is some kind of incident. It's just exploited to... Yeah. You know. I, the thing is, it someone had to make a decision to let it go over the land. There's, I, I don't believe that no one was able to stop or identify it before it was over land or, or we only suddenly discovered it was a surveillance balloon until it was on our land. But uh, the one comment I wanted to make real quick on Ukraine, I'll make it quick, is that this whole Bennett interview coming out with him describing very clearly the scuttling of the peace talks, that pretty much goes to prove that this nothing without Ukraine about Ukraine without Ukraine line is complete nonsense and I mean, it's basically publicly disproven at this point, wouldn't you say? I mean, unless Bennett's completely lying. Uh, he's not lying. He, he talks about – by the way, there's another part of the interview where he says that, you know, he got an assurance from Putin that, he, that he's not going to kill – that Russia will not kill Zelensky. And then Bennett went and told Zelensky that. And then Zelensky then shortly afterwards released a video from his bunker saying, they're, they're threatening to kill me, but I'm not afraid, you know? Which is a funny insight into Zelensky and his like performative shtick, but um, yeah, no, this is look. We have multiple sources now talking about there being a a Russian Ukrainian peace deal and that the West sabotaged it. So you had Ukrainian sources saying it, Vladimir Putin said it. Now you have Naftali Bennett saying it. Right. So how much more, how much more confirmation do you need? So any reporter that asks any kind of thing about Ukraine and gets a response that nothing about Ukraine without Ukraine is a fool or negligent if they don't bring this up, I feel like, at this point. Or, you know, I, I agree, but, but amazingly, you know, there's been no reporting at all. Like, there's no way that there are, that some U.S. journalists don't know exactly what happened here. There's just no Of way. course not. Uh, but there's zero reporting on, on this aspect that you had this peace deal and then it was canceled. And Boris Johnson yeah. came over, told Zelensky, and th- th- there's no way that people don't know that, but they just yeah. they're they're not going to report it because it's not convenient to their narrative that Russia doesn't want diplomacy and we can only fight it. You know, that's, yep. that's all. What what are the odds they don't know about the Columbia Journalism Review article too? I mean, this is <laughs> it's yeah. uh, a term I've come to kind of agree with that people are getting red pilled in the sense that they're starting to really understand the depths of the media's deceptions and not just like CNN you know, Don Lemon, but the New York Times and Washington Post, and they won't talk about what other ex-presidents and prime ministers are saying about world affairs. They just tune it out like it doesn't exist. Exactly. That can't be an accident. Anyway, thanks for your time. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, And our queue has gotten pretty sparse, so anyone wants to jump in, if you want to keep the calling going, we we need you to call in. So, um, Jeff, go ahead. Hi, guys. Good morning. Um, Three quick points, and I'd love to hear your responses regarding the uh, weather balloon. To my knowledge, there's a tacit or some type of actual treaty internationally about these weather balloons that 
that they allow them to float around the earth without creating an incident where they shoot them down for invading airspace. So this has been happening for years. So this is nothing new. So this is clearly the United States exploiting it for whatever reason. Um, second point, a second topic is I was watching um, Bad Faith podcast and Richard Wolf was on. So in the context of the debt ceiling, um, so every time we raise the debt ceiling, we have to continue to keep borrowing money. And Richard Wolf brought up the point that our two biggest lenders internationally are Japan and China. So in, the, uh, in, the con um, in regards to how hawkish we are to China, it's never talked about how much money we owe them, how much money we borrowed from them, and then also um, the interest on the debt that, we, that we'll owe them also. So, um, so is there any, um, is the hawkishness related to the United States trying to get out of paying back what we, what we owe them? And then this, uh, third thing is regarding the Rage Against the War Machine rally. So that's on the 19th in DC. And on the 20th, Code Pink is holding, uh, an anti-war rally. And so I just found it. So to my to my knowledge, I haven't seen either either of them promoting each other's rallies or there was no coordination between them uh, to hold a, a bigger rally. So I just found that incredibly disappointing that, you know, two anti-war rallies and they can't promote each other or they can't unite for a common cause. And, you know, why why isn't it? You know, why didn't it happen? So yeah, those great, are my three topics. Well, um, on the last point, um, uh, we we've talked about this a lot on on, yeah. on here on on uh, you know about how hard it is on the left to organize and for people to stay united. And uh, you know, already in the U.S., I mean, just everything you say, um, it's already such a kind of relatively fringe position to be anti-war when it comes to Ukraine. When you have both parties, uh, you know in lockstep with a, with a small exception on the Republican side, but you have progressive Democrats in total lockstep with Mitch McConnell and Mitt Romney and Liz Cheney and the neocons. <laughs> and so in that situation, we need to have a united left. Um, and we can't have it. it, it it's, it's, it's tough. And there's all this infighting and it's just, it's hard to organize. It's, it's just difficult. And um, I, I share your frustration. I just, I don't know. I don't have any answers. I just share the frustration. Okay. Yeah. In a, in a response to the debt we owe China or to, you know, how they're exploiting the weather balloon incident, which has been going well, so on. The, yeah. So the, yeah. So uh, what you said about a treaty, uh, and a, uh, uh, that's interesting. And, um, I, I wouldn't surprise me at all that the U S is just basically overlooking all that and turning this to something that it's not into a spying incident. And in terms of our debt to China, um, not my area of expertise, but it's funny. Like, Nobody forced all these U.S. corporations to go and do business in China. They went and did that because they felt that was in their interest. And now that's created a sort of uh, a, uh, you know, a situation where U.S. companies rely on China. And so it's difficult then now to extricate them. 
And but in terms of the debt, it, it's just not my area of okay. expert. I, I don't know. But thank you for the call. All right, take care. Uh, and by the way, I found the official song for the balloon. Okay, is everyone ready to hear it? Here's a little preview. That's Float On by the Floaters. Uh, and, uh, I'm, 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 I'm designating that the official song for the, uh, for the spy balloon, slash weather, slash weather balloon. What do you think, Katie? I like it. I'm yeah. for Okay. All right. Anthony. Good morning, Monday morning. What's up? Good Monday morning. Good morning. Yeah, I had another story on my mind that um I guess got overshadowed by the balloon, but it hasn't, you know, it happened since the last Monday and that was the Omar committee removal. And um you know, I was just wondering what you guys thought about, you know, cuz you had all the Dems saying joining basically the Republicans saying Omar said anti-Semitic things and um you know, you saw the squad giving their speeches and they didn't really have much of a defense of that or like a counter to the anti-semitic charges and uh well after the fact aoc went on cnn and said you know me there might be apartheid so uh, i was just wondering what you guys thought about that there they were like oh it's me 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 i'm a woman of color and this and that which is true but you know it's an attack on me as a person like i don't know Yeah, I thought that, um, I don't think that that's the most effective thing because they also removed some white people. Um, I think it's better to just focus on uh, why it's an unfair removal in general. And I thought it was good that she she called out conflating anti-Semitism with anti-Zionism. Yeah. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Aaron, you have anything to add? No. Okay. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, thank you. Um, Anthony. Okay, Jonathan. Um, well, hello. Firstly, fabulous, useful idiots interview. Uh, I always like it when uh, when Matt comes back for a visit. Yeah. Uh, fabulous subject matter. Uh, I thought I would uh, drop in relation to the, the, the guy two callers ago. Um, they're, like, the U.S. doesn't owe any debt to anybody, least of all China. China holds U.S. Treasury bonds which is the most stable financial instrument in the world is basically just where they park their U S dollars that they keep on hand to trade with the U S with. And, uh, so yeah, there's no, like Richard Wolf doesn't seem to realize we went off the gold standard in 1971. And, uh, there was a, there's been a whole bunch of back and forth about that ever since that episode. But, um, yeah, that was, uh, basically, uh, what I, Oh yeah. Also I, uh, thought I should mention, I uh, met a guy yesterday who said he was the father of one of the squadron that shot down the, the balloon, and he seemed so proud. He reacted very poorly uh, when I said, in the year of our Lord, 2023, nobody's using, you know, little slow-moving balloons that can easily be shot out of the sky for sensitive spying operations. 
and that was clearly a weather thing that got blown off course, and uh, he seemed pissed. But apparently, like, I started watching the news coverage, and they've really been stoking the heat about this stuff. It wasn't just the Sunday shows. It's been on Fox, CNN, MSNBC, like, mm. like it's something dangerous, and they've been, they've been hammering that hard. Mm. All right. Interesting insights about uh, the Richard Wolf thing, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Jonathan. Thank you for the call. I don't. I don't want anybody to feel like I'm dumping on Richard Wolf, but like he's definitely like as far as macroeconomics, he's uh, you know doesn't seem to evolve in the last thirty years. So I bet there could be forty or however long it's been. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks. Okay, Sterling. Good morning, useful idiots. Good morning. Okay, so can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was watching an interesting thing this morning on YouTube by Jackson Hinkle. And he was saying that he was planning on being at that rally, um, but he was doing like this big thing about um, Code Pink and how Code Pink and somebody else um, – we're trying to get it so that he was banned from these rallies because of his LGBTQ points. And I'm so livid watching this whole thing and that he needs to bring security when he's coming because he's been threatened. And I thought, you know what? This is what the problem is. We are not making this about one issue. There's a big issue here. It's war. I don't give a damn about any of the other issues. But this is so this is what's happening. It's why we're so divided. It is working to divide everything. This whole, you know, woke culture thing. Um, it's not it's really been a bad thing. So it was really weird watching him say this. But um, yeah, he did this whole special announcement thing that he's definitely planning on being there. He doesn't care what Code Pink thinks. And he said, you know, I'm not this like anti he's they were saying he's anti feminist and all these things. I don't know. I, I kind of I like Jackson, no doubt, but he does reach into like a- Andrew Tate land. That's kind of weird for me, but I don't care. This is about the war. It's about and nothing else. So that Code Pink is doing that was kind of disappointing. I don't and not good. I don't think we can't be divided on this at all. And yeah, so but I wonder now also when we were talking about churches not being so involved, if they feel like now if that, you know, if they're involved, does that say they're pro this or anti that? And it's like this is just completely insane. And it's, it's a shame. Uh, yeah, um, so. I, I've heard a little bit about this, and um, I mean, uh, I, I think not having an anti-war rally uh, with Code Pink sucks because Code Pink is so important in all the work they do, and so um, I'm disappointed to hear this. And um, yeah, I was kind of surprised. You know, they, they, you know, um, yeah, I like. Look, it's. People have the right not to speak at events where they don't like the other speakers, but it's just. Um, but you should unite, you know, and about the one main cause here. The one main cause, the two main causes right now for me are really this war and democracy. Yeah, Our democracy well, I, is completely threatened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd like to hope that people could overlook. But at the same time, you know, coping has the right to do that. And um, yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think Jackson needs security. I think it's kind of silly, to be honest. With you. Yeah, that was really it was an odd thing to watch. It was just like, OK, you like know? what going to do, like go up to him with a flyer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was so bizarre, but yeah, he's really going a little differently. But there is something to this There, you know, you do wonder why. What is going on with the with the left? It's just you know, and, and what's her name, Crystal, and yelling and calling people children or whatever she did. And I'm like, what is happening here? We're never going to get anything done if 
we're just this yeah. divided. But then again, I can't really get toward on the crystal side of being, you know, really kind of okay with what's going on in Ukraine. It's not like a kind of thing for me in any way, shape or form. So it's weird. Yeah. Hopefully we can work it out. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I hope something can be arranged that Code Pink is reinvolved because I think their presence is very, very important. And Without question, you know, and they, you would think they would be. They're YouTube like the champions hosting. of it, you know. Uh, okay, thank so, you, George. Anyway, all right, yeah, no. Uh, okay, Ramona. Uh, Ramona, are you there? First, I'd like to make a, a statement about the stability of the bonds, uh, U.S. bonds. Um, over a year ago, there was a bond yield flip, which is a statement against uh, purporting that there's a stability in the U.S. bonds. So just putting that out there, um, not only in defense of Richard Wolff, but if you listen to Giannis Varoufakis, they will tell you the same thing. Anyway, uh, I really called in to ask if you would uh, look into Shama Sawant's newest venture. She's getting out of uh, electoral politics after a decade in Seattle, and she's starting a national labor uh, movement. Anyway, it's called uh, Workers Strike Back. So just promoting um, someone who's very valiant and uh, very much a fervent socialist. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, Ruben. Um, hi, my name is Ruben. Um, first time caller on this um, specific um, area. Um, I did call Aramonte like yesterday, um, but I, I did have the same questions as Sterling and Ramona. So I just wanted to, you guys pretty much answered it, I guess, um, or covered it. Um, but yeah, I just want to say good job. And also um, kudos to the early like Chris Cuomo type of um, piece about him mishandling COVID, like way before the, like, the mainstream media found out. Um, but yeah, just kudos to that and like, um, yeah, good morning. Oh, I'm over here from California. So, yeah, it's like 8.46 a.m. But, yeah, good morning, guys. All right. Well, thanks for your, your early solidarity. Okay. It's early times for you guys. Um, we have one more caller, Andrew. Hey, thanks for having me back up. I realized when people brought up the Rage Against the War Machine protest that I forgot I was going to make a comment or question about it. Um, but yeah, what's interesting is uh, a couple of weeks ago, Medea Benjamin was listed as a speaker on the event. Um, and so it's news to me that I just checked the website now and she's no longer listed as a speaker. So yeah, I think it appears that they did actually drop out of the event because Jackson Hinkle was going to be present. To me, it is pretty silly <clears throat> because... You know, there's people from World Beyond War, there's Anne Wright, who I think you just interviewed, Katie, and there's yeah. Dennis Kucinich and all these other good people. Um, you know, if any of them cared to look into the People's Party, I mean, there's very serious uh, sexual assault allegations against the People's Party and also basically fraud, um, which to me is a, is a huge problem, but I'm still going to be going to the Seattle, um, you know, there's four kind of satellite events for Rage Against the War Machine. I'm going to go, and, and I, 
I think I'll be honest, like it seems to me like it'll mostly be a concert, you know, like a, it's, it's a protest. It'll be also be a concert and it'll, it, the event on its own is not going to accomplish any of the 10 demands that they have. They're all good demands. And so what I think people should be doing if they're really serious is going to some of these events, joining up with whatever organization that you think is actually solid, and then uh, go and do some work locally. Like uh, my plan basically is to try and build a team of people from the Seattle event who will challenge Adam Smith Adam Smith is the, the congressperson for kind of South Seattle down through a couple of other cities in King County and then um, into North Tacoma. And he kind of flies under people's radar because he's so boring and he's basically just like a worm in a suit. And he is uh, just a lobbyist for the war industry in Congress since the 2000s. He's been for many years, uh, the head of the House Armed Services Committee and just throws money at whatever the Pentagon tells him to or whatever Boeing asks him to get more money. And so, like, my goal, like, I hope that people will go to this event and do not give any money to or join the People's Party or the Libertarian Party, who are the two main co-hosts. Um, you know, if you want to, go ahead. I would just advise against that. I would, I would say go to the event suck it up there's people there who are shitty there's also like LaRouche people and if people want to go and check out Brian Becker's um, video on the socialist program about with Rania actually Rania that was a good interview um, about how the the left's anti-war and just generally the left uh, factions have kind of been shattered since in multiple different ways since 9-11 he does talk in that video about how the LaRouche movement historically has, you know, like turned people over to the FBI or attacked uh, socialists, like physically violently attacked them. Um, and they kind of work their way into movements through anti-war protests. So it's like there's all kinds of people with all kinds of problems at this protest. But it's it's also literally like it's the only thing that I've seen at any moderate scale in the United States to protest war since the, uh, you know, the proxy war in Ukraine really escalated last year. So I would just say, suck it up, see what you can do to build local organizing power. If you can springboard from going to this event to meeting eight other people from your area who are interested, then that's good. And just go there. And if you have a problem with Jackson Hinkle, just ignore him. I already ignore him on YouTube all the time. It's not that. Yeah. Uh Thanks, Andrew, for that. Uh, a few things, um, you know, I don't want to, uh, you know, I'm just cautious about making allegations about people that I, I haven't looked into. So you mentioned some allegations about the People's Party, and yeah, there have been accusations, but um, I don't know how, I mean, I haven't looked into them, but it's very easy to make allegations. That's all I want to say about that. And um, I also want to say that I don't want to hold people to standards that we don't apply equally. So for example, like, if Bernie Sanders was holding a rally for Medicare for all, I would never say boycott that that rally because he also voted for this neocon proxy war in Ukraine. You know, so at the same time, I don't want to cancel people just because they have views I don't like, and uh, that, that you know. But it's tough because people have the right to, um, you know, not be at events with people whose views they find to be hateful and vile, and so Code Pink has that right. And um, but. Uh, it's just tough, and I, I would hope that overall, when it comes to 
who's organizing and who's speaking that the focus be on what what the issue is and, and what we all can do best if we care about the issue to to support it. But it's tough and it's sad. And I hope that there'll be more, as you say, more organizing efforts to come out of this because, uh, you know, there can be more rallies than just one, obviously, and there should be. Uh, okay. Uh, no war, Chris. Um, just on that subject, which I didn't want to touch on too much, but it's been a push for Scott Ritter to be uninvolved. And Scott Ritter is kind of a little different case because he's against this war, but not against war. But I still think, you know, he should be there. And uh, certainly somebody that was just tangentially mentioned has been very opposed to his uh, coming to the anti-war rally and um, for all the reasons that people bring up about Scott Ritter. But um, I don't know. When, when it's such a fringe position, I think you take the allies where you, you get them and you, you fight them on the things where you disagree. And that's my policy and, and my position on that. What, what I did want to call in about is two things is I think you guys need some uh, some new graphics that are Aaron and Katie. It's been quite a while of just the Aaron and Katie show, and Matt's like a guest now, so it seems like it's you guys' show. So I'd love to see some new graphics um, with Aaron and Katie in space helmets. Um, and then what did you think about when you guys asked uh, Matt on Friday, or whenever you asked him, but came out Friday? Um, about his interactions at Twitter uh, as far as retrieving the Twitter files. He seemed to dance a little bit as far as dealing with Elon and, like, insinuate to my eyes that Elon's a little sensitive and Matt's trying not to touch any, you know, step on his toes in any way. Um, was that your read? No, based it, was, off what he it said? wasn't. I, I, okay. Maybe I missed something, but no, I didn't pick that up. Um, I, I think, look, he's... When you're dealing with the source, you're dealing with, with what they're willing to give you. And so certainly, you know, Elon is uh, filtering. Uh, like he has control over the filter. But uh, I think Matt also said that there's no, they don't tell him what to write. There's no, they have no editorial input on what he, what he does. And so I just think um, the question for me is, is the information in the public service? And I think absolutely it is. He's exposed some amazing stuff. And uh, I think it's very valuable. It confirms. So much of what we already knew, but now we have it, you know, from the inside, which is that all these claims about Russian meddling and Russian bots were all pushed by neocon operatives and who had no evidence. And uh, Twitter was pressured to go along with it. I think it's very valuable to learn about that. Oh, I agree with the value of, of the information and the reporting and, and that Matt has done a good job with it. I just felt like after the, the clip you played of Bree and, and Glenn um, talking about I think a, a, a acceptable critique of the reporting. Um, Matt seemed to like talk about Elon's personality a little bit and how um, how he's kind of navigated a little bit. And I thought that was that. That's all I meant. Not to invalidate the por- the reporting or say that it's not important or valuable. Um, just to say that it seems like maybe Elon. I don't know. I think you get what I'm saying, I do. but if we have different yeah. opinion, that's fair Thanks enough. for the call. Okay, uh, Jay. Hello, Jay. Good morning. 
Good morning. Morning. Good morning to both of you and uh, Good morning. a big, big hug and thank you for your insight and light and brilliance. And I got to, I guess, let me add this. It's what we're talking about. I, while I'm talking about love, I, I really love People's Party and Matt Offler and Benjamin Medea equally. And it's my hope that uh, somehow they can come to some agreement. Of course, we don't all have to disagree. But uh, that, anyways, that wasn't why I called. I have a suggestion for you, Aaron. <laughs> Forgive my being so presumptive. Uh, I love Jimmy Dore. One of the things I love about him is that he's smart enough to choose people like him, insightful enough to choose someone like you to be on his show. And here's my suggestion. Um, well, let me qualify it a little. I hate to make suggestions to someone that I that I honor and who makes my life so much better because all of you do and um, the way you present the news and in who you are as human beings. But once upon a time in another life, I was a local elected official. And, um, I, my roots are as an activist. I'm still very active um, in many things, mostly peace and justice work. But uh, you know, I, I enjoy chaining myself to a bank or disrupting things, you know, uh, in, a, in a dignified way. But here's my, here's my suggestion from my past life as an elected official in a small town, Gloucester. You, you, you come across so powerfully in your written and spoken word. When you're on Jimmy's show, I think if you looked at the camera rather than at the monitor, you would have more power and effect for people who maybe don't necessarily follow what you're saying or, or even your presence. But I notice you looking up at the monitor and uh, I don't know, to be blunt, if there's some way you can look at the camera, dude, cause Jimmy looks at the camera and even though your presence and, and I like, I like you both very much. Okay. Your presence Thanks. Your... Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it, it is not, uh, I appreciate it, but it's just, uh, uh, not, not a topic I, I really care about exploring here, to be honest with you, yeah. about, about where I look when I'm on Jimmy's show. But thank you for the suggestion. Um, yeah. I, I'll keep it in mind. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Okay. All right. Well, listen, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as always, you can go to usefulidiots.substack.com uh, to sign up for bonus content like extended interviews and the Thursday throwdown. And Katie, anything happening on the Katie Helper Show this week? Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to do a live stream of, um, the state of the union. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's nine. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm also going to be doing a stream with Medea Benjamin on their show. They're doing a stream, the code pink thing. Okay. Um, cool. But yeah, check, go to youtube.com slash the Katie helper show because, um, that that's, you can find out when the exactly the stream is on Tuesday. Usually it's at 7 p.m. I stream every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But this week it may be different just because of the, um, the State of the Union. And check out my very good interview with Kristen Parenti. Yeah. Great guy. Last week, yeah. Great guy. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone.